We're getting to the end of our series, Born in the USA. Nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go, as we look at the life and times of Daniel. And we have three more weeks after this, but I'm on vacation for a couple weeks, so it's more like five weeks later. I really encourage you uh, not to miss the weeks that I'm gone. I tell you time and time again, I pick the best speakers way better than me when I'm gone. So that's the time to be here. When I'm here, you know, you can catch up with me later. But when I'm not here, uh, we specifically think through who we're going to have come speak. Uh, we do may, a lot of this time on video, um, some well-known people that we couldn't get here to come in person, per se. But uh, it's a great opportunity. So please, please, please don't miss the next two weeks uh, while I'm gone. So the third week when I'm back, maybe miss that week, but not the next two weeks. So uh, so, you know, we're going on in this series, we're, we're looking at Daniel, we're looking at his life. Uh, there's a number of ways uh, you can catch up, mentioned, Cindy already mentioned that earlier, and uh, so please take advantage of those. Also, the sermon outlines are online with the blanks filled in if you, if you appreciate that or want that. So we've been in Daniel, and last week we talked about the lion's den, and we weren't able to uh, wrap it up. But you remember as we started talking about Daniel, we really wanted to draw the point through that this really isn't a flannel graph story. Sometimes we read these stories and we just think they're all nice and sweet and there's pussycats. No, those are lions. And when Daniel was getting ready to be thrown in the lion's den, uh, he wasn't sure what the outcome would be. Uh, it's interesting, Mariah was talking about fear, and there's this balance between being fearful, anxious, and also being aware. So there's a right time to really be aware. It's not checking your brain to the door and saying, oh, everything's going to be all right. It's not like Daniel was dropped in the lion's den and he was all excited and happy because there were pussycats in there. And uh, no, there was, some, there was some awareness of that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it was, it was very concerning to him. But then as it drifts into fear and anxiety and panic, there needs to be some balance with that. Now, for most of us in this room, uh, we, we don't run into lions. Uh, uh, in New Hampshire, they always claim that there's some mountain lion that lives up in the White Mountains, and maybe, maybe not. But we're not really worried about that. But bears are something that all of us... Uh, sometimes need to, need to be aware of. But again, we get this idea that this whole lion's den or even bears is more like uh, just, a, just a cuddly thing. There sure are a whole family of them. This was the unbelievable scene in Rockaway Township, New Jersey, as a mama bear and her five cubs decided to have a pool party. They look like teddy bears, don't they? The bears splash around in the backyard swimming pool, just like any family on these hot, muggy days. They're brothers and sisters. They got a nice, cool dip in the pool. But as cute as the scene is, one of the little girls watching from safety inside her house is really upset. They took my floaty. Dad's got a bigger problem. They're going to be poking holes with their feet in the floor. We're going to have to buy a new pool. Not till next year. Perhaps. I don't know, sweetie. I think our pool is shot. As happens with youngins, these cubs find the rest of the backyard irresistible. They just have to try out the slide. Hmm, that floaty sure is tasty. I wish the bears were in someone else's yard, not ours. Again, you know, we're, we're, you know, we think lions, we think bears, oh, they're so cute. You notice they were all, looks like, in the second floor of their house looking out. No one was running out there to do anything because the, these are ferocious animals. And so when we read the story of uh, Daniel and we see how this is all unfolding, we see that, uh, you know, he, he stands out. He stands out because of the quality of his work. He stands out because he's all in when it comes to following God. He's a man of faith, and he stands out because he won't uh, take a knee to bow to the new king. And he continues on in his regular uh, routine of praying to God three times a day in an open window looking towards Jerusalem. And he does that. And yet we read the story, and it's kind of cutesy, kind of nice. It's flannel ground. But we got to remember that this is scary things, just like bears are scary animals. These chilling photos of a hiker's final moments before a fatal attack. 
Richard White was taking pictures of a grizzly in Alaska's Denali National Park just moments before he was mauled, and ABC's Neil Karlinski brings us that story. were a little stressed out. That bear video has been online, but it wasn't connected with the guy who uh, lost his life. But uh, I watched that and I felt the stress. That was a bear. That guy was realizing he could get eaten, get mauled. So when we go back to Daniel chapter 6 and we jump in, we need to remember that, again, this isn't a story that looks like this. This is a story that looks like this. So I hope you feel that. I hope you see that. I hope you understand that a lot of these uh, accounts from the Older Testament and even in the Newer Testament, yes, we need to make them ch children appropriate and goes all along with this, but this is real-life experiences. And sometimes we don't put ourselves in the story and don't realize what was really going on and the pressure and the stress of that. So turn over to Daniel chapter 6. That's page 618 you'll find in the Bibles around you. If you don't personally have a copy of God's Word, a paper copy, uh, please feel free to take that Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, we strongly encourage you, if you have an electronic device, to take the time and download Version. It's an app, and it's a free app. And when you download that, not only do you get all kinds of different translations of the Bible, but you also uh, have access to reading plans. And that's very significant so that you can actually think of something that's heavy on your heart and you can click on the reading plan and get a three-day reading plan, a six-day reading plan, a couple-week reading plan. You can cater it to what you're looking for. And it's a great tool to really discover how God navigates through and in and with us in some of the situations uh, we find ourselves in. So again, just reviewing Daniel. Daniel is now in his mid-80s. Uh, he's been there so oh, 65, 70 years, and uh, he was taken from his homeland. Uh, his homeland was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. His parents were probably uh, killed along with thousands of others, and it said maybe about 25,000 people from Jerusalem were deported to Babylon, and Daniel was one of these, and Daniel uh, rises through life. Uh, he just doesn't survive there. He actually thrives there. And sometimes you and I can feel like we're trapped in life and we're looking just to survive. Well, Daniel gives us the example at every age and stage of someone who thrives, not just survives. So that's a strong lesson for us. So fast forward, he's in his middle 80s. Uh, uh, there's a new king and uh, he gets, he rises to num one of the top three leaders of the country. And uh, the king decides that he actually wants to make him the number two guy. And his two other people in that sphere of influence don't like it. They're jealous. So they hunt and look to see if there's anything character-wise, anything that this guy's been up to that could get him out of favor with the king. Uh, and they, they can't find anything. They can't find anything. And last week we really talked about that. If we were in that place... Would they find something with us? Uh, sometimes we see these politicians running for office, and all of a sudden some news line comes out a month or two months later that just that makes it impossible for that person to run, or that person takes a lot of heat and a lot of anger. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard not to have a squeaky clean record for years and years and years. But for some reason, Daniel does have one, and that reason is because he's been faithful. And so as they're looking at his life, they say there's just, there's just nothing about this guy's character 
The only area we can look into is the fact that he solidly is all in with his relationship with his God. So if we're going to get him anyway, it has something to do with that. So they go into the king, they you know, suck up to the king, and they say, oh, dear, you know, you're so wonderful, and, you know, everybody, you're so wonderful that everybody should pray for you, pray to you for the next 30 days, and, and the king's like, oh, shucks, no, not me, and then finally goes, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, because I am a pretty good guy, uh, you know, I am kind of like a god in all these people's lives, and so, so he stamps his approval on it, the law of that day could not be rescinded, and these two Guys and the other satraps all realized it. So, yes, we finally have Daniel because Daniel's a man of integrity. So, sure enough, uh, Daniel uh, goes to the place he goes every, every day, three times a day, the window facing uh, Jerusalem because that's where God's temple used to be. And he's kind of like praying in that direction. It's very symbolic. We talked about symbolic prayers last week and how uh, you can't... Um, uh, rely on them like they're magic or supernatural or whatever. But, but when we do symbolic things, sometimes it puts our mind and our heart in a different place. Like, for example, when we kneel and pray, there, there's some humility in that. And we talked about a couple examples. So this is what Daniel does three times a day. He's not changing anything, and they get him. And so they very quickly come to the king, and they say, King, guess what? Did you have that law? Yes, I did. Well, guess what? Daniel has broken the law. Daniel was praying, not to you, but to his God. He was looking right in the mirror. He wasn't doing it with a closed window. He was, he was doing it like he always did it. And uh, the king tries to, to, to see if he can get out of it because he really likes Daniel. Again, he was ready to make him second in charge of the kingdom, uh, second to him. And uh, there's just no way to do that. And so he puts him in the lines then as the law ordered. And uh, that night, he goes into that den with those ferocious lions, not kitties to, to put his head on as a pillow, ferocious lions. And I don't know how it all worked, how it all happened, but God stepped in and did a miracle. God stepped in and made sure that he did not get harmed at all. Unbelievable. God steps in. And so the king goes back the next morning to see uh, if he's okay, and he says, Daniel, you serve the living God. Are, are you still there? Did he protect you? And sure enough, Daniel responds, yes, he did. I'm alive, oh, wise king, and all this kind of thing. And, and then the king was extremely happy. Uh, so he was very happy, and he ordered Daniel taken out of the den. Uh, when he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him because he had trusted in his God, or trusted his God. And we need to also realize that not all circumstances unfold this way. If you're just joining us uh, this morning, we've seen times where, yes, God steps in and saves the day, but there are other times where God seems not to step in, and someone does lose their life. Someone does have bad things happen. A lot of us think that if we follow God and do the right things, uh, life should be charmed, life should be a blessing, life should be, there should be no problems. And sometimes uh, those of us who might be a little judgmental see somebody going through some hard time, but we wonder what they did and why God's judging them. And that could be furthest from the truth. But in this case, Daniel was trusting him as he went in and uh, didn't know the outcome. The outcome in this situation is wonderful. He's saved. He trusts God. Now, this is about where I stopped last week, and a couple people get after me afterwards. He goes, you didn't read the, like, the best verse. The next verse, you didn't, you didn't get into that. And uh, I said, you guys are bloodthirsty guys. There were, were guys, of course. And, uh, you know, this is the next verse. It says, then the king commanded the conspirators who had informed on Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they hit the floor, the lions had them in their jaws, tearing them to pieces. Yuck. Those are the same lions by the way, it was a Jason who gave me... There's a couple Jasons out there. It's a Jason who busted my chops about not reading this last week, so I can go after him. But anyway, so these lions were real. These lions were hungry, and for 24 hours, God stopped uh, Daniel from being eaten. But when those other people went in there, bang, you know... Um, Great Bible story, tell your kids not to be tattlers, because look what happened to the tattlers. But anyway, that's another thing. They'll go sleep so well. But uh, anyway, so last week we had three things real quickly. They're written in your notes. You don't have to fill in the blanks. Uh, we have to realize, and this is true in Daniel's life, and this is true in our lives, when you stand, expect others 
to tear you down. Expect others to tear you down. It's just going to happen. Don't have a chip on your shoulder. Don't have an attitude. But don't be surprised when you're moving in the right direction, when you're standing out in the right way because of integrity, a job well done, whatever, that there won't be others that try to tear you down. In high school, this was my first real experience to being aware of this. We had something called Boys Brigade. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like Boy Scouts, except it was all church-related. And, uh, and uh, I was maybe 16 or something, and uh, I got this extra elevation job position role. I, I can't remember what it was called. But anyway, I had it, and all of a sudden, one of my friends in particular behind my back just started going after me. He's like, yeah, I should have got that. He should have got that. I'm like, well, what, what's going on here? You know, I just realized that, you know, before when we were, quote, unquote, all equals, you know, none of that was being said. But now that I was elevated a little bit, now, now someone's after me. They're trying to tear me down. And you may find that even in your situation. You may find that at work. You do a good job. Uh, you stand out. Maybe it's because you have faith, you have values, and, and there's certain areas you're just not going to go down that way. And because you not like in a, in a picketing way, you just say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, you're getting torn down. When, when you stand, expect it just to happen. And it doesn't just happen in outside the four walls of the church. Sometimes it even happens at home. I know you don't believe that, but uh, sometimes it does. So just be ready for that, and don't let be blown away by that. At the same time, don't have a, a chip on your shoulder. When something good happens, you know that you're going to get torn down, but it does happen. Uh, kneeling to pray is what gives you strength to stand. That, that just seems to just, just fly off the pages of the story, that Daniel uh, was kneeling, and it wasn't just now. It was as he always has. Uh, sometimes those of us, uh, all of a sudden somebody says no to us, then we start doing something. This isn't what's going on with Daniel. For years and years and years, last week we talked about the catalyst for spiritual growth. You can go back and take a look at those. We also talked about habits, that if they're a part of our life, the rhythm of our life, give us a strength to stand when we're in these situations. So if you're not in the habits, if you're a Christ follower and you're not on a daily, regular basis, investing in your relationship with God, you're not going to be as prepared as for someone who is. Daniel always was. And if you're still trying to figure out who Christ is and maybe you're a little unconvinced and all those kinds of things, that's okay. That's okay. But for the convinced person, convinced people, we ought to be about this because we're going to find that when we're kneeling, when we have these spiritual habits in our life, it gives us the strength to stand when things come our way. And lastly, we saw when you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results. You may not like the results. The results may not seem pleasant for a moment, but you can trust God with the results. Daniel's friends learned that with the fiery furnace. Daniel learns that over and over again. But then there were other people. If we took time and went to Hebrews chapter 11, we would see the faithful people that lost their lives, yet all the way through they trusted in God. Uh, there's a famous saint called Paul, Polycarp. I may get a little bit wrong, but he was in his 80s, just like Daniel. And he had been a Christ follower all his life. And he was in a situation where the Roman Empire was going back on some things, and they wanted to punish Christians, and they wanted to punish him. And they told him, renounce your faith, and we won't burn you at the stake. Renounce your faith, and we won't burn you at the stake. This happened maybe like in... Uh, I may be, you know, eight, first 80s, 100, 120s uh, in, the, in the beginning of, the, the, of this history of the church. And so, so he, he said, you know, Christ has always stood by me. He quotes Paul's words that God's grace is sufficient. And his friends were very worried. He goes, come on, guys. I, you know, they're, they're like, they're like Polycarp, don't, you don't need to do this. Maybe, maybe you can just kind of go, okay, I'm not a Christian anymore. You know, just save your life. And, and, and he, he wouldn't do that. And so they tied him to the stake. And he said, I want to let you know, guys, if I, if I raise up a finger in the middle of the flames, it's me reminding you that God's grace is sufficient. They lit the wood on fire. And in the midst of all that and all the unpleasantness, he raised a finger, saying, God's grace is sufficient. And before he died, one more time, 
he raised a fissure, saying God's grace is sufficient. I'm thankful that I don't believe any of us in this room will have to experience that kind of a thing. But that's an example of a man who trusted God with the results. The results wouldn't have been what he wanted. It wasn't what his friends wanted. It wasn't what anyone wanted. But he trusted God with the results. And sometimes we're called to do that. Sometimes we have an illness, and, and it's not getting better. Uh, sometimes there's a financial situation, and there's not enough time to turn it around, and you're stuck there. Uh, sometimes there's relational situations where, where reconciliation doesn't work. All kinds of these situations. Just because you're a Christ follower doesn't ma- mean you have magic pixie dust and you avoid all these things. Remember, the one we follow, Jesus, died. If anyone would have got to pass, it should have been him. And he doesn't. So we have to trust God with our lives. And uh, I don't mean to minimize whatever you may be going through right now or what you may go through. I don't, 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 I'm not minimizing that by any means. But, but that's, that's what Daniel did. And Daniel, we know the outcome of the story when we read it. So we're like, oh, Daniel's going to get out of this. Isn't it wonderful? Did not know that. Did not know that. Then in verse 10, we read, Now when Daniel learned that the decree, again, this is this whole, this is when the whole decree was published, he, he did. He three times, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. So we get into this situation, and there are at least uh, six choices Daniel could have run with. You and I are put in these situations where we have the opportunity to stand out. Um, again, not in an arrogant way, not in an obnoxious way. There are some Christians you meet that stand out, stand up, and it's nothing about Jesus. It's just they're obnoxious. There are some people that don't like me for good reasons, and it's not, I can't say it's because of Jesus. It's because it's Dave Spencer. Dave Spencer isn't a perfect guy. Dave Spencer can be that way, and at least one or two of you, too. So, so don't blame that kind of stuff. Well, it's because I'm a Christian. You know, I'm doing... No, 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 no. You know, many times, it's just because we're obnoxious. So six choices. So what, what could he have done? What could he have done? First of all, he could have accepted the law and, uh, and fake prayed. He could have said, okay, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll ask for forgiveness afterwards. I'll just kind of go through this, go through the motions, accept the law, and uh, when, it, when, it's time to, when it's time to pray, I'll just close my eyes and kind of fake it, and, you know, and, and I'll be safe, and I'll be okay. But again, he, 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 do, he doesn't do that. Uh, another option would have been he could have publicly protested with picket signs. He could have, like, gone crazy. Hey, we will, yeah, 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 and just gone crazy. He could have been swinging out the window. Hey! I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm, you know, a Christian. I'm, you know, God-fearer, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But, but he doesn't do that. Again, he does not start doing the window thing as a new thing. That's what he had always done. Little difference. Well, he's at the window. He's trying to be visible. He's trying to put it in everybody's face. No, that's where he prayed all the time. Again, you can't blame obnoxiousness on Jesus. Be faithful, yes, but not obnoxiousness. Uh, he could have appealed privately to the king. The king liked him. He could have gone up to, hey, 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 king, you know, uh, you got duped. Yeah, I know, I got duped. I didn't want to do this. I'm getting duped. Can you, can you just, can you kind of do this? But, but it, it, the rule was there. It, it could not be changed. And, uh, that, that, but he could have done that, and we don't, we don't see him uh, going to that. Um, he could have just stopped praying to God for 30 days. Could have said, you know, 30 days, God, you know, you know, we I've prayed to you three times a day for decades. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this on hold. 30 days, Lord. Uh, you understand. I mean, you know, I'm more valuable to being around, I'm more valuable in this role than being dead. But uh, for some reason, he doesn't do it. Or he could have kept praying in secret. He could have shut the window, uh, you know, and and uh, done that, or he could have been, you know, like um you know, he's at the cafeteria, you know, in the, king, in the castle, and, and he's at the cafeteria, and his, the meals are getting passed away, and he could have just kind of gone like, you know, uh, you know I'm going to pray with my eyes open, but I'm praying right now, or close his eyes real quick. and so, Hey, what are you doing? You're praying. Oh, no, 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 not praying, not praying, no. He could have just, just done it in secret. Or he could have kept praying as he had done. 
And uh, that's exactly what he did. And it kind of comes back to that rhythm. What is your rhythm in your life? What is my rhythm? If you're a Christ follower, is walking with God the rhythm, the habits of your life? And when you make those deposits in your spiritual account, if you will, just an illustration, then there's something in there to withdraw when the pressure is on. Many of us, many of us who claim to follow Christ get placed into a moment where there's going to be an overdraft because we really haven't been investing in our relationship with God. So when the heat is on, when we're stuck, there, there's, there's nothing there to dig from. And, uh, and that's not to make you feel bad. It's, it's to give you a warning. It's, it's just like, you know, some of us did financial peace in the spring and this whole idea of saving money and having it be available for us uh, when, when something bad happens. And then you're not happy that something bad happened, but you at least have some resources to work with. It's the same thing in some ways uh, spiritually. Yeah, there's always a breakdown with an illustration. Just don't plan it all the way out because you say, well, this doesn't fit. Yeah, you're right. But in essence, just overall, the idea is that if we're not making deposits there, when it comes to making withdrawal, why would we be surprised when we, in a sense, get an overdraft? Now, yes, God can be gracious and is often, but I wouldn't want to presume all the time on his graciousness. So why not make investments in there? So he kept praying as he had always done. Now, what are the results? What happens when you and I stand out in the right way? I think there's some five rippling effects that can take place when you and I stand out. And again, I'm not talking about standing out with anger. I'm not talking about picketing. I'm not talking about in people's faces. I'm, you, you stand out. Daniel was a humble guy who stood out. He wasn't marching. He wasn't, you know, and we've got all kinds of stories we've talked about. You never see this in-your-face activism. He just keeps doing what it is to follow Christ. You, you, just, you just don't see that. So the first thing we find out is that one of the ripple effects when you and I and Rick Warren had these three things, these ideas, there is freedom from fear. There's freedom from fear. When you and I get into this, when you and I stand out, and even though we're uncomfortable, even though we're fearful, when we work our way through it, we find out that there's freedom. Now, when I say work your way through your fear, I'm not saying do something stupid. Oh, I'm afraid of, uh, you know, the cars running up and down the highway, so I'm going to go stand in the yellow line and watch them zip by me and lose my fear. I'm not saying do something dumb. But there are things that you and I are fearful of, and they grab a hold of us, and they just hold us captive. And they don't have to hold us captives. And when we navigate through them, we find freedom. Think about that first time where you had that awkward conversation with somebody. And uh, you were afraid to death to have it. And you had it. And it went okay. And then when it's second time, third time with somebody else, you're a little uncomfortable with it, but you still don't, you don't have that same level of intense fear because you've worked your way through it. There's less, there's less fear. Your first day on the job. Remember that day, that day where you didn't know anything and you're scared to death. So what'd you do? Stay home, put your covers over your head and just kind of, you know. No, no, you, you went to work and unbelievable, you worked your way through that freedom and now there are things you're doing that you have no fear. You have a, a, a good confidence, not a, not, a, not a I'm ego kind of thing, but you have a confidence where I can do that, and there's no fear. See, a lot of times you and I get held to our fears and rather than experience freedom. So fear is just a feeling, and it cannot last. These are one of the things that, you know, he says, you know, just like with nice, nice, positive feelings, they don't last. You, you know, you're happy for a moment and the happiness, you know, doesn't, you know, you'd love it to last you know, like all week long, but it, but it just doesn't. Feelings come and go. 
And, and sometimes we, we think whatever that feeling is, it's going to last forever, but it cannot last. It moves through. And again, I'm talking about healthy things. There are some things some people could go through, and they really need to work through this. But there are lots of areas where uh, the, the feelings just don't have to last. Uh, fearing is uncomfortable, but it won't kill me. Fear is uncomfortable. You know, moving into that conversation, having that talk, doing that thing, doing what's right and standing out. I don't want anyone to notice me. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm at work and we have a cafeteria and I, I do think I should thank God for my food and, and you know, and I, I kind of just kind of thank him in my head and keep, I don't even put my head down because I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, being uncomfortable won't kill you. It won't kill you. And we yet stay captive by them. I love this little quote, uh, false evidence appearing real. Sometimes fear is that. Sometimes we have false evidence. We, we think something. We're held for something captive that isn't even a reality. We, we get caught in the what ifs. Now, again, I'm not telling you not to be aware of your surroundings. I'm not telling you to have a brain and think things through. But a lot of times we, we give what could happen, and it's, it's just too much weight in our lives. And there's false evidence for that. And it just and we make it appearing real. And it really isn't real. Lastly, fear grows when I give in to it, but it lessens when I move it against it. Fear grows when I give in to it, when I let myself stay captive to it, but it lessens when I move against it. Daniel was, and his friends, was this in action? Um, first time, they say, we're not going to eat that food. I'm sure they were nervous about saying that. And sure enough, as they went on, their, thi their uh, skin got a little thicker, and, and they, could, they could go against these things that, that, that at first glance would be almost causing you to have a panic attack. And as they learned to move through it, and as they saw God show up in their life, they were able to trust, and, and they, were able to, they were able to get freedom from it. But it lessens when I move against it. I have some examples of this and a real tangible example of this is a couple years ago I had this accident. I fell out of that uh, man lift. You can see we crushed a, a nice Prius. Always good to crush a Toyota Prius. But, but anyway, so, you know, we fell, I fell out of that with another guy and uh, it was not very fun. But uh, I realized that I was really scared now of heights and I hadn't been scared of heights before. Aware of heights, but not scared of it. So maybe four months later, six months later when I was out on my back brace, uh, unbeknownst to Cindy, I got one of my buddies to bring it over to the church to work on the signs, and up I went, and I was freaking out up there. It was windy, but I did it. I, I knew I wanted to do it. Now, I'm not going to be up there every day, but I, but I wanted to push through it. There are times where you and I are held way too Captive by our fears. And again, I don't want anyone going out there and going, I'm not going to be afraid of that and do something crazy. But there are fears in our lives that hold us captive. Daniel wouldn't let that go on in his life. Uh, some of us get afraid of, of pointing to Christ with our lives, sharing our faith. Um, verse in Acts says this, Lord, this is a prayer, Lord, take note of their imitations intended to silence us. Grant us, your servants, courageous confidence. We need to go ahead and proclaim your message. The early church was taking unbelievable heat for their faith in Christ. And their prayer was very real. Give us courageous confidence. So proclaim your message. Now, when a lot of us hear the word proclaim, we think of getting on the street corner and proclaiming, hey, you know, screaming. Proclaiming is so much larger than that. I think it starts with the way you live. Does your life proclaim Jesus' good news message? I don't know. Does it? Does it? You, you, can, you have to answer that question. When you go into a room, when you go into a situation, do the way you respond and interact with that situation, does it proclaim Jesus' message? Does it do nothing? Does it go the opposite way? I love what uh, St. Francis said this. 
Proclaim the good news at all times when necessary, use words. Think about that. Does your life proclaim the good news? Does my life proclaim the good news? Uh, do, do I have to use words? Now, I'm going to say there is a limit to this. There is a moment where you've got to use words. I can remember in high school where I really started to get my relationship with God a little more serious my junior and senior year, and I lived like a Christ follower. Uh, you know, my, my life proclaimed it, but there were no words. And sometimes even today, so many years later, I beat myself up because I never gave words to my lifestyle. And so there was a whole number of classmates, 130 in my graduating class, that saw that Dave's nice, he doesn't do these things, he doesn't do those things. They saw that, but I never said why. Now, I will say this, make sure your life gives your words credibility. There are too many out there that their life does not give their words credibility. But if your life gives your words credibility, that doesn't mean being perfect, but if you're, then there is a moment where we all need to say something. Well, the reason why I am this way is because I'm trying to follow Christ. Oh, you're one of those Christians. Oh, no, I didn't want them to say that. Yes, I'm one of those Christians. I remember one time when the Billy Graham crusade was in Boston, and, uh, and I was going, there were like three or four nights. We were going every night, and I was in shop class, and, and I was talking with my teacher, and he said, oh, did you go to the crusade tonight? I said, yeah, I, I went. And this guy, I can't even remember his name, but I won't say his name. But uh, I can remember this kid coming up to me, and go, are you one of those born-again Christians? I was like, ah, screaming inside because I did not want to stand out. I don't know what I said, but it wasn't, it, it, I didn't own it. I should have said, yes, I am. Not waving a flag, jumping up and down, screaming, yes, I am. But I, but I, I, was, just, I was just too nervous about that. Again, proclaim the good news at all, all the times. When necessary, use words. We read, do not be ashamed then of witnessing. That's nothing more fancy than pointing to Christ, than showing that you're a Christ follower. For our Lord, instead, take your pain and suffering for the good news as God gives you strength for it. Yes, there will be a little suffering. Yes, they will give you hard. Daniel, Daniel keeps getting promoted, keeps doing a great job, is success, 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 but he continues to suffer for his faithfulness to God. It's a part of the deal. It's just the way it is. But again, make sure you're suffering for Jesus or you're being out there or standing out is, is really Jesus and it's just not you being a pain in the neck. Make sure about that. Also, there's this idea, another ripple effect, is it, it's opening for God to show up. Some of us sometimes live our whole Christian life and we wonder why God never seems to show up. It's because we don't take a step of faith. We're not willing to do anything. We're not willing to risk anything. Again, I'm not talking crazy, check your brain at the door stuff. Just basic things. You know, it's been amazing those times, and I, I'm not by any means a pro with this, but there have been those times where I've stepped out in faith, and God shows up. God shows up. And I wouldn't trade those moments now for anything. On the front side of it, I did not want to step out or st stand out. I, I wanted to play it safe. I wanted it comfortable. I didn't want to risk anything. Very risk aversion. When we as a church family talked about taking out a loan and adding on to the building and doing all this stuff, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you're, and I'm, I'm, I'm deep inside. I'm like, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And, and it wasn't Holy Spirit uncomfortable from my perspective. It was fear. I'd rather play it safe. And, you know, at this point, it seems like that was a great thing, and we've seen God show up. We're farther ahead with some of our plans. seems like God has showed up. I know when I've moved as a family, as we've moved two times, and taking that step, 
in both places, fortunately, we are still liked. We hadn't worn out our welcome. Been 14 years, one place, 12 another. And uh, I was scared to death. They, they, they were nice to us. They loved us. There were no issues, you know. But, and, and there were hurdles. There were obstacles. There were, there were all these things in making a move. And unbelievably, God showed up. I could tell you story after story after story. And, uh, and, I, and I sometimes don't even tell those stories because they sound too good to be true. And I don't want you to go, well, if I do that, then that's what God's going to do in my life. It just happened this time. There's, been, there's also the times where God shows up, but not the way I expected him to show up or wanted him to show up. But, but it opens up our lives for God. And that, that's, that's what happens. Uh, I love this line. Whom you serve continually. Has this God been able to rescue you from the lions? You don't willingly go into the lion's den. But if you're never in those situations, the one who is able to rescue you doesn't have, in a sense, room to work. Sometimes he'll put us in those situations if we keep pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. Or some days he'll say, you want to have a comfortable, safe, easy life and not be really aware of my presence? You can have that. And so we go on decade after decade after decade, and we kind of go, I know it in my head, I kind of know it in my heart, but when has he showed up? Well, it's because the one who's able to rescue, you've never given him an opportunity. Don't paint yourself into a corner. Don't set things up so he has to bail you out, per se. But there's normal steps of faith as we walk with him. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. How do you and I get found innocent in God's sight today? Daniel is a little bit of a different time, but for us, it's very clear. It's because what Christ did on the cross for us, that he gave his life for us so we can have forgiveness. So this morning, if you say, I don't know if I'm innocent in God's sight, if you've said yes to Jesus, asked him into your life, experienced his forgiveness, Believe it or not, you are innocent in his sight. Awesome. Awesome. May not function out of that innocence all the time, but you're innocent in his sight. And if you haven't experienced his forgiveness, you can. And you can be innocent in his sight. Doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it means when God looks at you, he looks at you and forgives you because of what Christ did on your behalf. And then positionally, that's what we would say, you look innocent. And then in your practice, in the way you live, is down here. And you spend your life not trying to earn God's love, but to celebrate his love and try to align yourself more and more with the will of the Father, with Christ, so that someday it will get closer and closer. And then the promise of heaven is the two to be side by side, innocent in his sight. And then can we say to the people that employ us, I've never done any wrong before you. No. We've given them an honest day's work. Those kinds of things. We read on, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted, it was because he trusted. Have you given God opportunity to show up? We also see that it encourages Christ followers. It encourages other people. In the Newer Testament, Jesus has come. Jesus is the Messiah. He's given his life. And the shakeout, that's all happening. And it's hard to be a Christian in first century world. And the Philippians were having troubles. Everybody was having troubles. People were being uh, killed, hung on crosses, fed to lions. And they were being sawed into all kinds of horrendous things. But when you and I find ourselves standing out in the right way, we find that it encourages other people. Because, this is Paul speaking, because of what I've been through, many of the Christians have gained confidence and become bold in telling others about Christ. One of the greatest things you can do as a Christ follower is to live your Christian life with confidence, not arrogance, with confidence. And that spills over into other people's lives. 
The problem is a lot of us don't live it with confidence, aren't completely all in. We might be at 60%, and then we have people in our lives that are at 10%, and we want to see them. It takes them steps, but it's very obvious to them that you're, I'm only in at 60%. And because I'm in only at 60%, and they're in at 10%, they're not moving at all because it doesn't encourage them. It actually gives them an excuse if my dad, my mom, my friend, my Christ-following all the time at church person acts like this, then I don't really need to take any steps. So when you and I stand out for all those reasons we talked about last week and this week, it encourages Christ followers to do the same. It also inspires the unconvinced. The flip side is possible. You saw that in that opening video about why I go to church, and the guy says, because there's hypocrites there, and then he goes, then there'll be one more kind of a thing. Uh, you know, nothing uninspires people, the unconvinced, by not really living out our faith. But Daniel inspired. Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And many think that this is the conversion of Darius, that he becomes a God follower as he states these words. He's convinced. Goes on, for the living God, and he endures forever. The kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Rescues and saves. The unconvinced, when you and I stand out, see that we serve a God that rescues and saves. And I want my friends, I want the people that I care for, that are unconvinced at this point, to see that I follow a Savior that rescues and saves and one of the ways they see it, sadly to say, is the way it is flowing out of my life. And if it doesn't flow out of my life, they don't see that I save a God that rescues and saves. They see I serve a God that makes me feel self-confident, a little bit arrogant, and better than everybody else in my world. Unacceptable. See this in... Uh, Peter and John, they couldn't take their eyes off them. New Testament, Peter and John, under pressure, standing there so confident, so sure of themselves, not full of themselves, sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized these two were laymen with no training in the Scripture or formal education. didn't matter that they were trained Christians. They knew that these guys weren't them. And then they recognized them as companions of Jesus. Do the unconvinced in your life recognize that you are a companion of Jesus? Do they, do they see that? We can even go back to Christmas time. I can't wait. In five weeks, the snow will be blowing. Skiing at Bristol Mountain. Bring it on. I know you, some of you think it's could snow in here right now, but I'm loving it. But uh, where do you think the wise men got the idea to go to Jerusalem? Why did these men from the east, many scholars, not me, because I, I wouldn't know this per se, many scholars believe it's because of the witness of Daniel was still alive these 600 plus years later. And that's why they came. They knew. They knew. Unbelievable seeing how the unconvinced can be touched by the convinced when we stand out in the right way. Very quickly, also another ripple effect is it touches eternity. That's forever. 
Eternity is forever. There's another chapter of life. And when you and I stand out, it doesn't earn our way to that next chapter of life. Christ did that. We can't do that. But it does touch eternity. Jesus himself says this, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. Again, really discrediting him, not being just obnoxious. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. All heaven applauds. The NIV says it this way. Great is your reward in heaven. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. That is the deal. You see, you can stand down or you can stand out. Christ follower, that is your choice. Are you standing down? Are you standing out? If you haven't said yes to Christ as of yet, you in your seat while we close in prayer can say, Lord, I want you in my life. I don't understand it all, but I want you in my life. I accept your forgiveness. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I want you in my life. Thank you for giving life. I'm going to choose to follow you the best I know how. I'm going to get going on this spiritual journey. And then you too can start to put things into place as God works in your heart, as, as other Christ falls around you, encourage you. Then you can move from being a person that's standing down to a person that's standing out. And as you stand out, all those ripples we just talked will be in effect touching other people's lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the life of Daniel. Lord, a lot of us can think of situations where we did stand out and we paid the price. And sometimes we said, I'll never put my life on the line, my neck on the line again like that again. I pray that we'd revisit this issue, revisit this area, and we'd say, how can I stand out rather than take a life that just stands down? Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has not placed their trust in you, they have not said yes, even right now in the quietness of their heart. I thank you that they can talk with you and say, Lord, I, I, I want you in my life. I don't totally get it. I kind of get it in my mind, then it slips out because it doesn't seem real. I kind of get it in my heart, then it goes away. Lord, Lord, begin something new in me. I want your forgiveness. I thank you for your forgiveness. I pray for that person right now that they might start a life of standing out as they walk with you. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for mornings like this where we can gather together. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.